And we're back again. It's been a little bit, but we're back for our first hockey podcast of 2022. A couple of days ago was our first podcast, Undertubers podcast of 2022. Now it's our first hockey podcast of 2022. It was down on our birthday, on my birthday, as we said it was going to be <laughs> the other day. But, you know, today oh, we tried to time it out well. We got it. Whatever. It's close enough. Yeah. Uh, we got a decent amount to talk about. Um, you know, COVID's still ravaging the league and everything. Um, and really everywhere at the moment, it seems most a lot of the sporting world's still getting hit by it. Um, the Flyers are still not playing great, but news to me as I got on is that they're only four points out of a wild card spot. <laughs> Just like you said that, uh, it's news to me as well. It's news to me, but what I'd say, and maybe when we talk flyers or whatever later is that I mean if you're this close to a wild card spot and obviously hope they start playing better and eventually again hopefully when you get Ellis back if that's where you are I that's not my favorite but at least you're still in that round you're not where like the Islanders are or you're not farther back you're exactly. fifth you're fifth now in the metro which is surprising to me but you are um also, I'm about to say something that may get kicked me kicked out of the f- uh, hockey fandom. Sorry, uh, hockey fans. Jeff knows what I'm about to say, but I did not care or, nor watch the Winter Classic the other day. Yeah, so for the Winter Classic, I always look forward to every year. That's that's just me. Um, so one big reason. So a, a good friend of mine, uh, Joe Donald, he is. Uh, he has been the Iowa Wild, uh, the AHL team, of course, in Minnesota Wild. They're a uh, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the last several years. And now that, obviously, it's, the season's well underway, I probably mentioned this one or two times before, at least on my social media. Um, this is his first year of actually being in the NHL as the Minnesota Wilds radio play-by-play announcer. Um, so I, you know, I, I was rooting for Minnesota you know, to, to represent uh, Joe and, and the Wild there. So, unfortunately, I did not did not bring home the win, but it was, uh, it, it turned quickly into a decimation um, of a, a score is like what, four to one before you know it. And then four, two, five to two, and it kept going back and forth. And at one point it was like six to two, but yep, this is over. Cause as soon as Minnesota got like their second goal, then that's when uh, the blues got their six. And I thought, yeah, this is over before I know it, they got two more goals in the third. And I thought, you know what? There's a possibility. You never know. Cause they saw seven, eight minutes left in the game before, or, or when they scored that, uh, the fourth goal. So, oh, well, but uh, no, it was fun to me. Um, you know, obviously like the first half of it was pretty slow, but Jordan Kyrie for the seamless blues, he dominated. He became the first ever player in uh winter classic history to have four points. Uh, he had two goals and two assists, a uh, hell of a game there. Um, so congrats to him, obviously, the player of the game. You no, know, it was a, a nice atmosphere. I thought they did a nice job and, uh, you know, like control controlling everything-wise and also temperature-wise, they didn't have to worry about that as it was like negative 10, the coldest it's ever been. So um, he said that was pretty wild to see, but you could tell, like, just how freezing cold it was there. So yeah. Uh, but I, honestly, I don't blame you because it's not like it, it wasn't like Minnesota. To me, it I, wasn't very. I feel like the NHL one. I think they and I've said it multiple times on this podcast at this point, and I'll say it again. Twenty twenty two. Um, there's way too many outdoor games. You're, you're it, it's getting too much to the point where it's not to me. It's not as interesting special. or special as it used to be. I agree um, with that. Um, and and so I actually luckily, made this. I made this point. Um, and my that I made a joke to myself saying it kind of reminds me of where I think Marvel will be in a couple years, and that eventually you just peak and then you just start falling. Yeah, of what it's so I, I'm, great. I'm kind of afraid when that's going to happen. For I'm the afraid MCU. that's going to happen. That's looking, I think that's going to be a long time, a little bit. Of, I'm not on the road forward to that day when it comes. Unfortunately, the it will probably happen at some point, but that's where exactly. I think the NHL is right now with outdoor games. I think it is because at this for, point, I just say do two winter classic heritage classic, no more outdoor series. 
Exactly. Oh. And I, I think it's a cool idea. But... And then if you really want to get your star studded power out there, um, treat it like the NBA treats Christmas. Yeah. Show guys who you want out there more. Show Connor McDavid. Show Elias Pedersen. Show Austin Matthews or Vegas and or Seattle. Um, just show those because that's the game for outdoor games that people care about. That's the exactly. only one. The Heritage Class has been around a little longer, but you know. Yeah, um, but I will say overall that it's a cool idea. Classic, I like it. It's it, a very but... cool idea. It, it, but this one, the, it didn't... the year that killed it for me, at least for outdoor games in the mountain, outdoor games they had, was the year where they had, it was 2013 or 14, somewhere around there, where they had eight outdoor yeah. games in the one year. And, I, and New Jersey or the Rangers played in two of them in the same year. I was like, yeah. what the heck? That's, that's way too much. So it's, I, I, I like the idea of the Winter Classic on New Year's Day or the day after, mm-hmm. and then the Heritage Classic whenever. And yeah. I think that's it because, again, as you mentioned, it, it ruins like how special it is because it is a special, you know. Because um, <clears throat> when you talk holidays, we talk about outside, you know, football having Thanksgiving. Now this year, because uh, Christmas was on a Saturday, football is also on Saturday for uh, yeah. Christmas Day. But Christmas Day is basketball. Mm-hmm. New Year's Day is hockey plus college football, college football. But, but also hockey. But for the NHL, for professional sports wise. That's their day. And that's also another, you actually brought up a great point. And I, I, it will, you partially did, but it, it reminded me of something that I actually have a grip about for the NHL. So the NHL Winter Classic is supposed to be this very special event. We've already established how, like, they've kind of ruined that with the amount of same series games and, you know, and everything like that. But also, the the Winter Classic is supposed to be the NHL and the leagues, basically like their bowl games. It's supposed yeah. to be the main event. Why would you even have like eight other games scheduled yeah, in the I NHL? I found that very strange. The rest of the, the evening, you know, I, I yeah. found that I found that so bizarre. That's supposed to be like the one game that's on. But I, I don't know why they exactly. Play. But also, the reason why I brought up the star-studded thing is that this Winter Classic. To me, it didn't bring that star power. Yeah, you have Kaprizov or Tarasenko, um, O'Reilly, but outside of that, to me, it and I don't really right. care for. I didn't really care for either team. Oh, so the, the only reason I also I like cared. For I like Minnesota a little Minnesota, more than St. Louis. This but. is their first ever. Because well, so St. Louis has at least been their definitely their second winter classic, if not third outdoor game in general. Yeah, because um, their last winter classic they were in was against Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, and she and St. Louis won that one too, which I was very happy with. Um, but the things with Minnesota, like you know, they claim it's the state of hockey, which yes, it is in a way. Yeah. Um, but this is their first ever outdoor game, so that's also why I was particularly excited for Minnesota. Mm-hmm. The fact that not only that. They got to be in it, but they got to host it. Because remember, yeah. this was supposed to be last year's Winter Classic, but obviously because code got canceled, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, what I will say, which though, obviously, is, if that's the reason yeah. why it gets canceled, I'm okay if you like just moved it or you added a second one on just because the yes, one prior. because of something like that. Yeah, but if you're looking for like there was, just kind of keep going back to it. There's the year for. The Winter Classic and then seven stadium yeah. series games. I think the Flyers were them being them. That the, no, that year. year. Maybe I, I don't even know anymore, but know. it blends together. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it was it, it's too much. So it's they need to dial back just to two throughout the entire calendar year. One of them just being the Winter Classic. The other, in my opinion. Just like agreeing with yeah. you should be the Heritage Classic. Yeah, you're just going to milk it dry at this Canadian point. teams only that because that's what the Heritage Classic is all about. Exactly. So in that case, with that being said, real quick before we switch topics here, if you only have the Canadian teams in the Heritage Classic, what are your thoughts on them being in the Winter Classics? Like, for example, there's the Montreal Canadiens against the Boston Bruins a couple of years ago. I'm okay um, with it. The Winter Classic, I think it's up for grabs. Any team should be in there. Right. 
heritage classic, heritage. I like that. I like that it's just can- a Canadian thing. Right. I think if just a, the next couple of years do rivalries, like do that Montreal, their uh, last yeah. uh, playoff round in the Canadian division, it was Montreal versus Toronto. Do that one yeah. year. Do Calgary and uh, Edmonton. Edmonton. The like, Battle of Alberta, exactly. Exactly. In Alberta, just somewhere in Alberta. Just there, there you go. <laughs> it can, it's going to be on a mountain in Alberta. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But either way, you could have you could have fun, like different ways to go about doing it. Exactly. So just just be original for once. Don't. Oh, look <laughs> yeah. at that! Next year, it's time for the Blackhawks to be in. And yeah, because it's the Blackhawks. It's Chicago, big market. I understand why you co- go back to those teams that keep being in it: Philadelphia, Boston. New York, Pittsburgh, because it's Crosby. Yeah. I get why you do that, but there's other you young shift, stars. You got to shift good your teams. attention to your younger guys because Crosby's like, in honestly, his mid thirties at this point. I'm you can't keep going to that, um, Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers have not been in the Winter Classic since exactly. his arrival in the league in 2015, 2016. Again, like, that, is, that blows my mind. Yeah, we've talked about it many times. So I feel like they the, yeah. the um, just getting the names out there more of unfamiliar players, exactly. but it's already well known. And even ESPN, they're like Connor McDavid is the best player in hockey. So because of that, they focus on him more. I see more of Connor McDavid stuff since being on ESPN than it did when he was on NBC. Yeah. And I think there's one guy that especially like broadcasting wise that you have to think thank for that as well um john uh, i always botch his last name it's like Bucci girl Butcher cross or something like that yeah Butcher cross yeah that, that guy is an amazing announcer yeah also analyst in general he is he he would always call the ncw frozen four mm-hmm. phenomenal announcer and just yeah. guy all around and and like because of him and what they do over there espn and also on TNT, they're starting to do with that hysterical and awesome panel. Exactly, because the they're going one. off of what the NBA does with theirs uh, and doing it. Talk and uh, Anson Carter, they did an awesome job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so either way, I feel like the way they are now in terms of their broadcasting it, that helps them more in terms of it. Uh, obviously, you kind of right. lose that you're not on NBC anymore. You're not on one of yes. those networks. Like, the Winter Classic was on TNT. It wasn't on ABC. Yeah. But that's also because there were bowl games on, and that's going to get more attention. So, obviously, unfortunately, for a hockey sense, that was going to get priority. Exactly. So, we're going to do. All right. Moving on. Um, Got to go over the stat head, of course, yesterday's of course. performers. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, they've actually been doing quite well, and they've got a couple of the yesterday's top performers. They are nine and one in their last 10, winning nine in a row, looking to go 10 straight against the Flyers tonight. It's a uh, 7 p.m. start. Brian Russ, two goals and assists. Chris Tang, two assists. Crosby, a goal and assist. Um, I'm not going to lie. So what are your thoughts on Brian Russ? Because I never think of him as a big-time point scorer. So the fact he's no. essentially – like he had the missed points last night in the league, which shocked me from the the games that were played. And just uh, again, surprising. I'm just, actually, I sorry. Go to back, be fair, there's only two games that so make sense, but still, I always go back <clears> to <throat> it being the Crosby factor, yeah. and that he kind of, um, yeah, I can't think of the word, but he kind of inflates guys' stats or. Guys kind numbers. of like what Connor Sherry or Sherry, Sherry or Sherry, yeah, whatever no, his I, name is. I still think Kensel's a good. I think Kensel's a better player than he's good uh, Sherry, but, he's but I still only the same great thing. because of Crosby. Exactly. And I don't think people recognize that enough. Sure, again, don't get me wrong. I think Gensel is a talented player, but look, so Crosby is on that first line right now, especially because Malkin's out. It's Crosby, Gensel, and Rust. Of course, Russ is going to get points. Of course, they are. All three are. Right. Even Same Hornquist. Hornquist's numbers were great too. Exactly. Gee, I wonder why. Hornquist no, wasn't. So, Hornquist, Hornquist. wasn't one to put up the numbers, but when he was with no. Crosby and all them, it's yeah. 
what he's going to do, especially during the playoffs. But yeah. what my point is, though, overall, is they obviously you had to be incredible to be in the NHL. But obviously. when you have a guy like Sidney Crosby, who is deemed the next great player after Wayne Gretzky, obviously before, but for the most David, part, he has been. Right, and and he, obviously he's backed up his numbers and and the cups and everything and whatnot, and um, but it's easy to have to make your line mates look good. He could essentially pass the puck anywhere. The, he he's probably some of the best hands in in the league, and also just uh, hand eye coordination in general or original. Yeah, at his age, still too. It, I want it to is put, extremely impressive. Keep but all he would need to do is just say, "Hey, Gensel, or hey, Rust, yeah, put your stick there, and all you need to do is put it on the ice, and you can tap it in." Now, I'm not but, saying that's how every <laughs> single goal is for uh, Rust or Gensel, but that's essentially what it seems like it could be. I think the reason why you and I think Pittsburgh is slowly going to start going down and down is because. Crosby's 34, same as Chris Letang, and let and uh, Malkin's 35. They're getting older. Not only that, but Malkin They're still producing yes. more and more and more each and every year. Yes. And that but that's just hurts with age so much. and the way he plays, too. Yeah, that's true. Um, now I will say, I mean, obviously it looks like they have no issue with Malkin because they're nine and one in the last 10 winning nine straight, of course. But at the same time, even with Malkin, it's definitely more dangerous team because obviously a team is going to be better with Malkin versus when mm-hmm. they're not. Both Malkin uh, and Latang are free agents at the end of the year too. Yeah. Now I'll, I think they're going to let Latang walk just because of cap space. He has an enormous cap hit that I think is honestly not even close to. They being do need to it. get rid of some cap too. Just yeah. Anyway, so which is why you bring, which is why I obviously, as Flyers fans, we hate that Hextall's there, but it makes sense why you bring in Rex, uh, uh, Ron Hextall, because he's going to find, he's going to get you out of some type of cat pal and give you some prospects to work with. Speaking from experience, exactly. Um, Other top performers in the other games: um, William Nylander to assist, Brandon Shannon goal and assist, and Alexander Kerfoot goal and assist. Jack Candle, uh, Campbell, excuse me, uh, two goals allowed to so 28 saves on 30 shots, 0.933 save percentage in Toronto's um, 42 win against Edmonton. And uh, although Mike Smith had the loss, 29 saves, uh, three goals allowed, 0.906 save percentage. I'm not going to lie. I don't know why Bennington is on here. He's not even close to being top performer. Yeah, he made 36 saves. But he let in five goals and he lost. So that's not a top performer to me. So there's also only two games. Exactly. So like I get there's only two games, but put like Campbell, obviously you haven't Smith, although I, I know he lost, he actually put up somewhat decent numbers. So that's fine. Whatever. Um other than that, uh looking over the current standings, you have the Rangers leading the way in the metro somehow, 22, 8, and 4, 48 points. Tied in points with the Capitals, obviously, because of the win column. The Rangers have the um, uh, tiebreaker there, uh, 26 and 8 for Washington. And then Carolina, right behind them, 23, 7 and 1, 47 points. Uh, Pittsburgh, 19, 8 and 5. We mentioned their ninth uh, game winning streak, 43 points. In the Atlantic, Tampa Bay still leading the way, 49 points, 22, 8 and 5. Literally right behind them, 22-7-4, the Florida Panthers, my pick this year to win the Atlantic Division. Uh, oh. Toronto, 22-8-2, 46 points. And then Boston, uh, bringing up the rear, 36 points, 17-10-2. Uh, but Detroit is right behind them, only a point behind. Uh, in the Central, 21-11-2, the Nashville Predators leading the way there, 44 points. One point above the St. Louis Blues for 19-10-5. Colorado, they're chalking up some wins. They're 19-8-2 with 40 points. Uh, they're tied with Minnesota points, uh, but Minnesota has two more losses. They're 19-10-2. In the Pacific, finally, 22-13-1, 45 points. Vegas, uh, behind them, only by two points. The Anaheim Ducks are, have been red hot with their young stars there, uh, 43 points. Calgary, 17-8-6, still hanging on some way, somehow. They're getting some victories here and there. Uh, and then Edmonton, 18, 14, and two. 
uh, for the final spot in the Pacific there. Um, so right now it, it is uh, in the wild card again in the East Pittsburgh and Boston have uh, in those two spots. Pittsburgh has a comfortable lead in the first wild card spot, while Boston, Detroit, Philadelphia, yes, and Philadelphia. You could, huh? I said yes, Philadelphia. Believe it yes, or not, yes, Philadelphia. <laughs> Um, those are the closest team. And yeah, you could theoretically argue Columbus, New Jersey, because they're only a point behind Philly. Uh, they're the closest teams to that second wild card spot as well. In the West, while the wild card, Minnesota is up, uh, has 40 points. Edmonton is two points behind them for the second one wild card spot. And then 37 points each for Winnipeg and the Los Angeles Kings at 37 points. Yes, you heard me right, LA. They're uh, one one away from overtaking the second wild card spot and three points away in general from tying Minnesota for that top wild card spot in the West. So, what happening there? Um, one little thing that I caught when you were doing that. Yes. Not saying they haven't done well this year, Anaheim. But they are only, in terms of wins losses, 500 in the last 10. They're 5-5. Five five. Right. They're 5 I wouldn't two. necessarily say they're on five. They're Sorry. On my you, said they were hot. You, you said they were hot. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I know. But okay, I, to be fair, they, are doing they really were well, hot to four, yeah. and then they, they were cooling off. So that's they're, probably the better way of putting it. Yes. They're cooling off some, <clears> but they're still doing really well. Yes. Um, I'm not going to lie. I, Especially I without so young how young some of their talents are. Yes. I was and also, also looking at the standings in um, on the stat head and the actual standings on the website on NHL.com. So I didn't see uh, what their, you know, when streak is like or last 10 is like, so yeah. Okay. Actually, I wanted to see this too, because, because Anaheim's relevant again, it does always bring up that conversation of best goaltenders. And, well, I think, uh, not that we're going to go into it, but I was just curious what Kibi's stats were. Great question. I'm curious okay. as well. Okay. He's 917 save percentage, 2.64 goals against. That's not so too not bad. bad. It's okay. But he is, I, to me, because he's, he was always playing on the Ducks, and Ducks haven't been well. I haven't done well the last couple of seasons. His name kind of gets luckily thrown away. They have been doing better this year. So exactly that helps a lot. But that, I think that will go help them in the long run when they make it to the playoffs, as we saw with Montreal. So that when you have a good goalie, and if he gets hot at the right time, it can take you a long way, especially in the West, but it's not that great. Yeah, I don't know if it would have you like win given some of the teams that they've had to yeah. face in Vegas or Colorado or anything like that. Gibson but is right now they'd be playing Calgary yeah. if the playoffs started. So it's, Here we go. I think that's doable. All right. Games played in general. Uh, Gibson is 12, nine and six with 27 um, games played and 27 starts. Um one of the only goalies in general who's definitely been actually there, there there's a few goalies that, wow there's sorry there, there's a couple goalies that are doing very very well so there's Gibson UC Saros in Nashville 0.927 save percentage 2.23 goals against Thatcher Demko 0.920 save percentage 2.55 goals ah, and that's why the Rangers are doing really well um huh Asher Sturkin it's done really well. Oh yeah, yeah. She's circling. Yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, he'll he'll get there. Yeah, uh, right 0.936 save percentage and two point zero nine goals against. Uh, Jack Campbell. We got to talk about him for a second. Point nine three wow, nine save I did percentage. Not expect one that. That is very surprising. Seven goals against. One point eight seven. Hmm. Um. Tristan Jari has 1.89. I did see that. And yeah, uh, Campbell played. is 17, 5, and 2. Jari's 25, 24, or sorry, 24, 16, and 5 in 25 games. Yeah, played. for Jari's. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Hey, look, it's only two games or yeah, but Lions there too. <laughs> Even as poorly as the Flyers have been doing, Carter Hart is seven, nine, and four. 0.917 save percentage, 2.76 goals against. That's not terrible. It's not great, but it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. Especially for this Flyers team, it's actually respectable. Um. Anyway, mm-hmm. so that was the stat head there. Wow, Hopi's or not Hopi's. Quick's not doing that bad this year either. Yeah, and and that's another part that's actually been surprising. It's just LA as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not believe it or not, the two goalies I think are best in the league have the same uh same percentage. Hmm. Nine uh nine seventeen. Love Ella two six two point six seven goals against Gibson's two point six four. Mm-hmm. And yes, I do think those are two of the better goalies. Obviously the best is Bethlevsky, but I put those two second and third. I don't know where, but I don't know who's second, who's third, but I have them second, third. I do have one thing I do want to talk about, though. It does kind of annoy me, this take I'm going to have, because I hate when people have this kind of take. Um, Not that I think there's a thing against the Flyers, but if my math is correct, the Flyers have the second most COVID outbreak of teams they have seven right now it according, doesn't to, really according to this tsn page that tracks all the injuries yeah. uh, by team Derek Broussard is back by the way he is but unfortunately he's kind of back earlier than the flyers would have liked because um yeah. his face got hurt his day-to-day one of the guys who brought up whatever his name is uh mayhew mayhew, mayhew. yeah yeah But right now they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys, even though Kutz is on IR, he also is in the COVID protocol. They have seven guys in the COVID protocol. And he is on IR, but there's a lot of key players. Buffalo is six. Yeah, Buffalo is six. Uh, Montreal. Actually, I think unless it's literally just happened, this has got to be old because Alex Tuck is apparently day-to-day in COVID protocol. He just played last night. So unless it's like updated as of this morning, mm-hmm. which is possibly never. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how, how updated this is. It, I, I don't know. I think, ooh, uh, Spencer Knight is in COVID protocol with uh, yeah. Florida. And you got to give LA credit. They have six guys in um, COVID protocol, including Alex Turcotte. Mm-hmm. And they're doing relatively well. Yeah, uh, honestly, Montreal is easily, easily yeah, got a lot. the most. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. At least only fourteen or fifteen people. Jeez. There's fifteen people, and even if you get rid of guys being on IR or missing for personal reasons yeah. on their team, that's still twelve, which is double yeah. amount of some of the other teams that that seem like they have a lot. Which flyers are second with having seven. Mm. But having said that, a lot of their COVID cases have come in the last couple of days. And I'm curious at one point the NHL actually like pauses their mm-hmm. or starts postponing a game or you know has some like take a little break because it seems like there's a bit of an outbreak going on in Flyers camp. Yeah. And the reason why I, I say there's a, I, I'm annoyed by this take is because I feel like there's a lot of, and, and maybe it's because the Flyers aren't doing well, but I feel like if it was other teams that they probably would have stopped because of some of the players that were hurt. And the reason, and the one team I always kept coming to mind was like if Colorado, for instance, you were out without McKinnon or McDavid and all this, and obviously you still play, you play with the hmm. pieces you're dealt with or whatever. Or however that goddamn quote is, but <laughs> but I feel like they'd be quicker to shut that down than they would with the Flyers if that were to happen. If they had just as many key players out, but right, I could be wrong, and 
maybe it's a selfish way. And I hate, again, I hate that kind of thinking, but you're without your captain. You're without your top defenseman. You are out without both Travis's. Travi. Travis <laughs> just gives it Travi. Uh, and Sam Hammond connecting. He just went on. Uh, Nick Sealer is on there. And Jackson Cates. And Pro Rob, if we did match him hard. I did mention him. Yeah. I did, uh, there and, you go. and Couturier, but he also has an upper body injury and is on IR. Yeah, I kind of forgot Coots had a bit of an injury there. Yeah, so did I. Um, which, I mean, it's not great, but at some point the NHL does have to, I think. That Step in. Yeah. It's, yeah. Because I, I literally made a joke to you earlier today because the Flyers made a couple calls. I'm like, hey, look, the Philadelphia Phantoms are back for the yeah. first time in years because half the team is going to be mm-hmm. AHL guys or Young players, granted, you that they're going to take that opportunity they get, but I mean, it's not ideal to me. No, which is why I think the Flyers game tonight. I don't, even though they're the Penguins are coming off a back to back, I did one nine straight. I'm not very optimistic about tonight's game, to be honest. Not either, just again, it's because of the key players that are out. Because exactly. without a second line defenseman, your top defenseman, your captain, one of your better goal scorers, even though he hasn't produced that much this season, but connecting is a good goal scorer. You're already without Couturier. Broussard has to come back, even though they probably want him to want to wait a little longer to come back. After you're already without your other top defenseman that you traded for, which I don't know what's we nobody really knows what's going on there except for I guess Ellison medical staff and whatever the yeah. but I, I really do hope we get Ryan Ellis back because a lot of people are starting to turn on that I'll put it this way I see a lot more positive on that uh, Agson trade though yes. because and in both cases I still think it's kind of a win for both sides you know I think Agson's just so, doing a little bit better than Vorchek is but so Vorchek is doing exactly what Vorchek does but, yeah. He's getting assists, and that's what you pay him to do. Mm-hmm. Now, in Philly, they didn't really, during Warchick's time, especially like within the last year, year or two, they didn't have like a pure goal score. And Warchick at one point was a all-around pure goal scorer, and like, he was an all-around player. He was a, when he first got here, especially in 2012, he was a goal scorer, and he could dish the puck no problem. Over the years, you saw him become from goal all-around player to just more so passive yeah pa- yeah a passing player and that's fine you know you need that but and he was one of the, the players needed guys. that was a goal sh- shoot shoot first mentality which is what you exactly get in, in cam atkinson he's on pace for 32 goals this year by the way which is the best the flyers have had in years so they definitely the flyers and goals with 13 nope and he had a goal the other night. Um, now, Which, Voracek, he's actually getting ready to play his 1,000th game tonight uh, in the NHL. So, congratulations there to him. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a you know, this is a big deal, but at the same time, like uh, as you mentioned, you get what exactly what you want to bet trade in the trade for both players. It's a win. Cap goes down teams. a little bit. Your offense could get a little more goals in there, but. Yep. They're what I will probably going to put just as many points as the others. Yeah. It's just going to be now, different of how they go about doing it. For the Ryan Ellis deal, again, revisiting it, it was Ryan Ellis from the Nashville Predators to the Philadelphia Flyers forward, Nolan Patrick, and Phil Myers. Even if Ryan Ellis does not play any more games the rest of the year, and they very just, again, 1,000% hypothetical, I have confidence that he will play. Ideally, sooner rather than later, we'll see. I don't know when. I don't have any inside information or anything like that. I'm just saying, I, I personally believe that he'll play sooner rather than later. Um, well, meaning like a couple weeks instead of a couple yeah. months, because a couple more months, that's like the end of the season. But I think he'll play again this year. That's my take. But even if he didn't for some reason, 10 out of 10 times, I would still yeah. make this trade. I would too. You get a top four defenseman, let alone probably a top two defenseman. Not just for uh, this year, like you did for Niskanen for a you couple get years. Four years more after this, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's locked up. 
you don't have to worry about, oh, oh, oh man, uh, he might retire. You know, it's, it's not going to happen. No. So, and that's a huge reason why people need to just relax. Yeah. Like if, if, if Flyers fans they are so concerned about this season and say, oh, that, that's it, the season's done. What do you care if Ellis even plays the rest of the season? Obviously, you would like to see him play, but it's like, if you know mm-hmm. he's going to be back next season, it doesn't matter as much. It's just, no. just let him heal. Let him. If he needs surgery, I don't know what's going on. If he needs it, just let him get the surgery as soon as you possibly. You yeah. don't want a Jack yeah, Eichel situation where I was gonna you say, just don't let like, it I- drag on. And you could have gotten, well, obviously, like his situation is much different because they've never been done before. Now, ironically, it's well, been yeah. done twice. Um, but because the point is for me, successfully. yes, the point is, though, for me, though, is that uh, you at least like if, if Brian Ellis does need surgery, you need it. And especially if it's like something that, oh, let's just get it done, get it done, let him heal. Now, if he doesn't need surgery, but he's still kind of out somewhat long term. I don't know. Just, just don't push it. Cause that's exactly what happened the first time. Now I don't, cause um, he re-aggravated the injury he had during preseason. So yeah. Yeah. But also, cause I know everyone looks at his injury history or sees that he's getting hurt more than that. Oh, you're just getting another like Nolan Patrick or you just see, Oh, he's just going to be hurt all the time. But if you look at the injury, he injuries he's had, it hasn't been like, soft tissue it's been from other guys and charlie had a great tweet the other day responded to someone who i think was probably i think was criticizing oh, uh, fletcher and the move and everything and uh ryan ellis and he was like saying all the injuries he had and how they were um uh, I, I know exactly what you're talking about how they were sustained and everything um so in that sense it's not like he soft tissue or stuff like that where it's you're worried that it's going to be keep or always a reaggravation. I feel like this injury has is yeah. probably soft tissue. I found the exact tweet. Some guy said with his injury history, this is on Fletcher. He go and Charlie said, I get this argument, but I honestly think Ellis's recent injury history before this was more on the fluky side than concerning. He had a knee injury. He played through all the way to the Stanley Cup final before surgery. He had a concussion because Corey Perry took a cheap shot at him in the 2019. If 2019, I think, winter classic between the Stars and the mm-hmm. um, Predators. And then he had a broken knuckle from a Patrick Line shot. By the way, in case you don't know, Patrick Line has a pretty good shot. So it makes sense that you get a freaking broken knuckle from it. Yeah. And take one in the hand. Yeah. It's going to hurt. So it's well, like nothing like those are really that concerning. I feel like the one he's got now is probably more of a soft tissue kind of thing. But right. Which is why it's, I think it's why it's taken so long for him to recover from it. But exactly. I'm not too worried about it. Even in four games, he put up five points. And once he actually is playing and isn't dealing with an injury or anything, you're going to see why the Flyers got him. He's such an exciting player to watch for me, at least. And with him and Provorov, you still have yet to have your top pair defensemen play each other except for four games, really. Really three, because two of those games he left early because of injury. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not great, but no. It, it just hurts because you keep having to play guys like um Sealer or whatever. And I'm curious your take on it, because I'm seeing a lot more people kind of thinking this way. We'll get to the Drew thing after, but yeah. Um do you think it's once defensemen get healthy and over code protocols? Uh, do you think it's time for um, Yandel to sit for a game? Yeah, I'll put it this way: I think because obviously the reason why he's the playing, Iron Man streak, I think that he's just going to get benched because his play has been brutal. Not, and yeah. I like Keith Yandel. I love the idea. He signed here for one year for seven hundred thousand dollars. What a steal! But mm-hmm. over He's the course of points, I, 11 assists, not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I, he's been such a liability on the ice, and I hate it because Yans is, uh, I think he's had a, a phenomenal career and everything. And you know, the NHL hockey fans and just in everyone will not give the Philadelphia Flyers franchise a, a break 
if they're the ones he stop, uh, he handles yeah. our man streak. Yeah, I agree. So I would agree with that. So I, I'm honestly uh, expecting that as soon as the Iron Man, he either ties it in or breaks it. Honestly, not even ties it. As soon as he breaks the streak, very next game, guarantee you, he's going to get benched. Yeah. Obviously, Dale, that's, if, that's my take on it. If got defensemen are healthy, if they're still like, doing injuries to their blue line that he's probably still going to be playing. But because the thing that I, because I think it was something, um, nothing again quoting Charlie as we used to do on this uh, podcast because he always has good takes and everything is that they brought Cam York out West with them, but they didn't really play him at all. And I thought was why we do that and not really play him. And the guy he thought if he was going to play, he would be in Yandel spot, which I kind of yeah. agree because with him not playing well, one of the spots he is kind of taking is a guy, a lot of, Flyers fans are excited to see and Cam York. Yeah. Uh, now, he did play against Anaheim, and obviously he's playing again against Pittsburgh tonight. And same with um, And same with Jamal, which I'm happy about. Now, looking at Cam York's ice time, he had 20 minutes. Uh, so 18 seconds on the power play and 40 seconds on, on the this, PK. So. Um, someone's going to have to eat the minutes that Provorov was eating, so they're going to have to spare them. I'm not going to lie. Both Sandheim and Ristolainen, they eat eight of tw- almost identical time, a second apart, 24 minutes, 15 seconds for Sandheim, 24 minutes, 14 seconds for Risto. So Risto is going to have to eat a lot more of those minutes. Cause, I'd imagine, yeah. yeah. I assume now, I'm glad I- that York got 20-plus minutes. He was, he had 20, it was 20 minutes, 20 seconds there of ice time. I think you'll see him get 22 roughly minutes tonight. Uh, they're going to rely on him more, but they're also going to rely on Risto. Uh, he's going to have 25, 26 yeah. at least. If I mean, the Flyers close come out with minutes, this game. depends on how Reynolds is playing. These aren't great names to rely on, but especially Blue Line, Ron and Risto have to show up. And obviously, Carter Hart's going to have to be on his head, but he's kind of done that all season. What I will say, so this year. Also, Hart just came off of COVID too the other day. Before that, not only that, he had the flu too. Yeah. So yeah, Hart's been. They get so, a couple guys back who who uh, it, the COVID hit them big, which time, is crazy because so. some of the guys because I didn't even realize they called up Ustamenko until they sent him down the other day. I was like, <laughs> when did they bring up Ustamenko? I never. I remember. Uh, Honestly, who, who coming up because he played. This, but this season has been just something else. It has been. Um, but all right. one last thing, and then I think we're yep. going to call it a day. So the question obviously becomes, since the Flyers are not playing great, and this is why I looked at Stinks, because I wanted to see um, where the Flyers were in terms of it. But And now seeing it, I kind of... I think at the moment, it's probably 60-40 in terms of if the Flyers trade Drew or not. Right now, i say it's probably 60, they keep 40, they trade. Yeah. I only say that just because they're only four points back. So it's not like it's right. like completely out of reach. But if they keep falling more, I could see it happen. I could I could realistically see it happen. But I, again, I, what most people forget is he's a what no trade cause or no yeah. movement cause. So he picks on whether or not A, where he if he wants to even get traded, and to, and B, where he wants to go essentially. Right now, obviously, if he does does decide, hey, I my time here has come. I want to win a cup. Obviously, everyone's going to understand, and everyone would want the best for him. Now, everyone, it's not no fan would say that differently. Everything I've seen Twitter wise, Flyers fan has been like they kind of want him out of here just because they want him to just go to for win it. a cup, exactly. Like they did for Briere or Timonen or anyone like that. Yep. Imagine though, so so here, and, and this is something we'll, we'll keep an eye out for. But what sparked this again? Let me start there. So, um, so I found an article, but it's more so um, what a couple people have been talking about. Um, Elliot Freeman from Sportsnet had joined the Jeff Merrick show earlier today, and they discussed, you know, uh, Claude Giroux and what you know does the Flyers' struggles mean for him. And his future. And it's a legitimate 
it's a, a legitimate question now. Uh, it's a like a 27 minute podcast episode. Um, but they did touch on the flyer situation first. So that's probably in the first few minutes. I haven't listened to it. I just have the transcript part. Um, Elliot Freeman said, quote, I think the thing with Philly is to me from what I've heard, the biggest question they have is what's the honest assessment of who we are? Where are we going here? We made some big moves and they still haven't paid off yet. End quote. Oh. Uh, or and actually continuing hard after the first game against Vancouver it was dynamic and they still got into trouble. I think that leaves you a lot of questions about who you are and what you are and where you're going. Doesn't mean you still uh, think, okay, we've got to make one or other move or two other moves and we'll be okay. Or do we have to strip it down and try to do even more? End quote. I'll continue on in just a second. Your first initial thoughts, just hearing that in general, what even are the Flyers right now? Because looking at what this team is, um, standing wise, I got, sorry, I got to bring it back up. Um, you know, they, they've been pretty. Uh, Pretty bad. Pretty bad. But in terms of what people probably expected given the moves they made. But again, like we just talked about. They're 5-3-2 the last 10. The key move they made this offseason was... Cam Atkinson. I was going to say Ellis. I was going to say, although it was Cam Atkinson, it was honestly Ryan Ellis. It was Ryan Ellis because the key concern was someone to play with Proveroff, number one defenseman. Defense was the issue. They were allowing too many goals and getting hammed in and everything. Exactly. Now, obviously, players are going to get injured. Then there's also COVID. I don't think Risto's, but, I also don't think Risto's played that horribly either. I looked at his stats. He's only a minus nine, which isn't the worst he's ever been in a season. Huh. And it, it, a lot of the times, it doesn't and really seem right like now, it, a it lot looks of like, it's actually his fault. I don't know how well Robert Higgs doing, but when he looked at the injury list, he is hurt right now. Yeah. But again, I'm okay with losing Hague if it means a potential upgrade with Ristolainen. Exactly. No, Braun, I agree with that. Braun and Sealer had moments, but Sealer, you can't have him consecutively play games and hope for no. the best. No, and same for Braun, same with Braun on the first line. First pair, deep. No, you can't expect Justin Braun. He's not a number one defenseman. He's a depth defenseman, especially at this point in his career. Maybe when he was younger, he was a top four. But at this point in his career, he's a... And he was going to be third pair. He was going to be third pair yeah. with uh, Yandel, which I think in that sense probably would have helped Yandel more. I can yeah. make the argument. Um, but again, kind of going back to the question, though, what but do you know the, the issue The five, three, two, and the last 10. And like, like you mentioned... The, the they wanted a point streak before they lost their last two games. They were. After they lost 10 games in a row. So yeah. I I don't know if this is a streaky Flyers team or if the Flyers are still just trying to find their new identity with Yo, which I think that's kind of the case because it's Yo, definitely part of the case because they got to learn his system for sure. Yeah, because most um, of because what AV was fired the end of November or beginning of December, somewhere around there. End of November. Yeah, which means the beginning of December, they were trying to learn from. Uh, Basically, they've had a month of playing. The first Yo. few games, it wasn't great. Then they started picking it up a little bit better. Then there was a pause. Obviously, COVID rise and everything kind of stopped and halted things. The West Coast trip didn't end as well as I would have liked because you were playing teams that, even though they're playing well, are on paper or they're beatable. previous. They're yeah, beatable. Uh, so I don't know what the fires are. The fires still need to find their offense. Yeah. And the two guys have who've provided it have been one of the guys you've added, who we just mentioned in Atkinson and drew drew leads the goal leads the team. He's having another MVP caliber season for the Philadelphia flyers. Yeah. I'm not going to be surprised if he ends up with 90 plus points this year. That's my prediction for Giroux. Everyone else has kind of been disappointing. Even Broussard, I don't think playing horribly. He's also unfortunately been dealing with injuries and that's just what you're dealing with and again the flyers haven't had that many games at full strength they've really only had one you can make the argument for and even though Hart was back up in that game was against the stars and right. in that game ellis got hurt and hayes was just coming back it was the second game after playing the night before i think yes no, sorry it was his first game back 
was Hayes. Yeah. And then he got hurt. The next uh, game. Yeah. So, so Hayes, I think, is still making his way back from his uh, groin injuries and everything and all the hernias he was kind of dealing with. Um, so I'm not too worried there. The thing that I think is just a matter of just trying to find that offense. That's the issue for the Flyers. So right now, I can see why you trade. I think the next two weeks are crucial for me in terms of what the Flyers do. If it's about the same or they do better, I think they probably, or sorry, I'll rephrase that. If they start playing a little bit better, but showing potential, I think they keep true. But if they keep falling back and are playing like playing terrible like they did in November, I could probably see them moving on. Because at that point, I don't know. But if they do want to go for it, keeping Drew seems to be the better option. But that's just well, so. And I'm about to bring up Elliot Freeman's uh, second part, and he, he has a third part as well that I really want to get into, and, and see so what your thoughts are on that. But for Drew, though, and the Flyers, it's just it it, it really does depend on where they're in the season. Because so the NHL trade deadline this year is March 21st. Um, and they need to figure, uh, and it's a very, un- it's extremely the late this Olympics. year. They were going to have the Olympic I, break. I, and so they scheduled no idea. Them. Maybe, I don't know, but either way, they need to figure out what they're doing. But if things don't like, let's say if things, obviously things go up, they're, they're keeping them. But if things start going south very quickly, cause it's already January, and if things go south by February, and I mean really down south, I'm saying like 10 below 500, that's probably your cue of saying, hey, yeah, it's probably time to move on. Obviously, Drew's got a degree to everything, but – and who knows? Maybe he doesn't even want to be traded because he said twice now publicly when the media's asked him specifically, basically saying, I'm not focused on that. I'm focused on sticking with the team. I want to stick with the team. Even if he is below five of the teams below 500, he could still want to be on the team. Yeah. And although it would be nice to win a cup, maybe he genuinely, truly wants to stick with the Flyers for the rest of his career, no matter what, even if that means he doesn't win one. You never know. I'm sure he would love to win a cup because he got a little bit of taste of what the cup finals is like back in 2010 when he was a rather young player. And you know, he might not reach out again if he's with Philadelphia. No. We'll never know. Also, the other key factor is his contract. Even though it's one year, it's still eight mil. Over eight Yes. So, so some of the, the playoff team. teams and, that would want to go after him or close to it, I don't know, could afford it for a year. Unless the Flyers And so that, that's the part I want to get into next. So Elliot Freeman continued to say, uh, in this perfect same way, Quote, I think Giroux, if I, and this part made me laugh, if I was to bet your mansion on it, Jeff, talking to Jeff America, of course, of course, I would bet Giroux, that Giroux gets traded. I just think they have to figure out between him and them where it's going to go. I can see a situation when they say to him, okay, why don't you go chase a cup this year and we'll figure it all out. I'm sure there's going to be interest because I think the guy has played pretty well. So I just think it's a matter of where they decide that, that, that sorry, that that's going to be, uh, end quote. So, Again, back April last year, he said he wanted to finish his career uh, with the Flyers. And then just last month, he said he was still putting his future on the back burner, saying he's not worried about that right now. So, but again, going back to the the whole, you know, and, and, and what honestly, it, this is always a possibility. He could get traded, get some assets back, but I'm think back. about it. Yep. He could always come back. Now, I don't think the Flyers would nearly get as much because a lot of the teams, for a player like Giroux, if I'm a GM and I get Claude Giroux, and if I can have cap space or anything for him, obviously, like that's half the battle. Figure out, okay, it, it's either we can just take all this cap space, who cares? The Flyers would probably just get less, or the Flyers retain anywhere from t- like. 15 yeah. to 30% of his salary. For we'll, also. Then, 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 and then we'll give more. Um, but also it depends on the other factor, which I just mentioned is, well, what do, do we want to keep him here? Um, do we want to keep him longer than just the spell round for next year, for example? Or 
if he if we know he's going back to Philly, then even if Philly offers the routine salary, we're still not offering that much because we just he's just a rental. And yeah, we're at worst I mean, we have I, him for two months. Exactly. Exactly. Now you can be crazy like Tampa and give up a first round pick for a rental because David Savard, for example, he was just there with them for the deadline. They said they have a first round pick. Yeah, they won the cup, but now he's in Montreal. He he earned himself a, a nice big uh, ticket there of uh, like five, four or five years or something like that in, in Montreal. So, yeah, so it, it's all of these little factors left and right. Yeah. Uh, the next part I want to mention real quickly here because it was included in context about all of this. Jeff Merrick also brought up defenseman Ivan Provorov, what he's become since Matt Niskin retired. Friedman agreed and has even heard Provorov's name and potential trade talks. He said, quote, I think there's conversation about there about, let's be honest, where are we? What do we really think we have to do? I think Giroux is obviously Giroux is one of those conversations because time dictates that it has to be. And I have no doubt that Provorov is another, no doubt. So, what are your thoughts on that alone with a potential bombshell of Ivan Provorov, a possible trade piece right there? To me, Not that only means- that, but what kind of, you know, l- l- let's stop there. W- what do you think of that rumor first? And then I'll ask a follow-up question. So if that were to happen, you trade both of them, you're starting from scratch. 100%. You're not, you're not even, Talking playoffs at that point, you're just talking about because Provorov's still young. I don't even think he's 25 yet. Yeah, and at that point, if you're talking about Provorov, that also means you're probably going to be talking about Travis Konechny's name being out there during the offseason. I, I'm not going to lie. If you were talking about trading Ivan Provorov, I don't think I, I don't think he. I don't think he'd be that far behind. Well, no, I, I'm saying the opposite. I would expect Travis Konechny's name to be first before Provorov. Oh, okay, okay. But that, that's where I'm going. I got you. I don't want to get rid of either, especially TK. No, He's been one of my favorites. But if you were remotely close to even talking about trading Travis Konechny, that's a huge step in. We're starting to rebuild. And then if you start talking and let alone even think about trading Provorov, unless that's a full on rebuild. The funsies, you trade him to get Tarasenko. Yeah. Yeah. I like for funsies. I like funsies trades. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's let me ask you this then. I assume Just that sticking stick with Pro up here for a second. If the Philadelphia Flyers trade uh, Ivan Provorov, obviously there's going to be a hell of a return more than College Giroux because of the eight million dollar cap it and the pending ufa status but for Provorov, think about it remember a couple years ago he signed a five or six year deal just like connecting he's locked up we're talking about Provorov here what kind of return would ivan Provorov get for the philadelphia flyers if they decided let's start from scratch we need to really do a full rebuild right here right now couple draft picks the young prospects are we talking what? Probably a, le- a minimum level B plus prospect. B plus, yeah, minimum. Mm-hmm. Got it. So there's that. I'd We're say a first. I'd a, say a first round pick, second round pick, and that's why I, I like to hear. So honestly, because you are losing your top defenseman. If that's the case, you we're pretty much replaying at 2015. the same time. Though, here's my thing. Do you get an NHL ready prospect that's any position, obviously forward or defense, or do you strictly get defense to essentially replace Provorov? Uh, I say get best available. That's not a bad idea either. I'm not going to lie. In the because back of my head, they could there's say one just... team in the West I think that could use a little bit of defensive help right now, and that's St. Louis. That's, I could yeah. be wrong. But they're the one also player, their defensive first, too. Well, exactly, and and that's why he he can help out that team. They would it would be a perfect match. However, in return, there's two players on my list personally that one the first guy I one of them is an NHL ready prospect because he's 
I'm pretty sure in the NHL now. Let me look up their stats just in case. The other guy, uh, he's been established in the league for a few years. St. Louis, they're both forwards. Mind you, keep keep that in mind. But they're guys centers or that I say again. Is it center or wingers? Uh, I, I I gotta tell the check. Because I, I don't know their true. Uh, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna change my answer that I just gave you. I say best available in terms of like position. So I don't know if I'd really want any more wingers. I would look towards centers center if or not defensemen. defensemen. Yes. Yeah. Because the Flyers need centers now. Okay. So I think he the the second guy I think that was on the team but then he got sent back down let me check his stats uh, sorry I, it's uh I, I didn't think we we're gonna go this far all right so either um it was former first round draft pick keep in mind it, it was a 2020 first round draft pick for st louis yes he's a left winger but i actually especially this year when he's getting some games in i do like his game a lot jake neighbors I know not many people know about him just yet because literally 2020, but he's a guy I'm I'm pretty excited about. The second guy I've been in the WHO. Very, uh-huh. Uh the second guy that I'm ecstatic about, this is only his, and this is hard to believe, his fourth NHL season, still very, very young. He's only 22 um, center Robert Thomas. That's what it was. So he played the nine games for getting sent down. Right now he's in the WHO. That's what it is. Thank you. I knew it was somewhere, something like that. So um, yeah. So Jake Neighbors possibly. Um, let's see here, and then from there it's either him or Robert Thomas. Preferably Thomas because he's an established NHLer. He's twenty-two. Um, last year. He only he was limited, I think, because injuries. Twelve points, thirty-three games. His second season, his sophomore year, ten goals, thirty-two assists, forty-two points, sixty-six games. His rookie season, thirty-three points in the 2018-19 season, the year the uh, uh, Blues won the cup. I I, I like. I honestly do like their game. His game in general. Um, He's a player to watch out for. Obviously, I'm just throwing it out all out there, but I'm yeah. saying you need a player like even Ivan Barbashev, him, Robert Thomas, and or Jake Neighbors of those three players. If you're looking to get like a NHL ready player slash prospect like Jake Neighbors, one of those three, if you're looking to go uh, for it. Now, defensive wise, that's going to be a tougher option because you need to you need if you're looking to get someone on defense in return for Provorov, it essentially needs to be a team who has an expendable amount of defensemen, NHL ready and NHL prospect ready defensemen. Because if, if there's a team Camel that's car? hurting, yeah. Oh, but uh, you know what? But I don't even want put to automatic trades on Jeffrey. Put automatic trades on. <laughs> In that case, I'm trading uh, Zach McEwen for Kale McCarr, let alone uh, Connor McDavid. Thank God. <laughs> he would play for his childhood uh, idol in Drew. Connor McDavid. This is true. But I will anyway, say this, though. Yeah. Um, I'd understand that they did it. I would just hate it because I'm kind of tired of this kind of back and forth of being okay to bad to rebuilding. Yeah. I don't want to go through another rebuild. I just want to go for it at this point. And I get that. But at the same time is I don't know how close they are to Exactly. That's the only thing. Th- so that's not uh, trust me more than any every Philadelphia Flyers fan to the end of the time will always want to go for it. Even in a horrible year that's like, you know what? Let's just go for it. Let's go all in. Let's throw you know all of our chips on the table. Let's going all in. I think in two years, 
if things really are looking how they have been, even if that means the make the playoffs, miss the playoffs, make the playoffs, miss the playoffs, like the consecutive battle every year, uh, you know, going back and forth, it, it, you got to blow it up. Yeah. Like completely. And, and I'm not talking about Those just oh, get rid of board check. Up, huh? Those moves would be blowing it up. They would be that. Training Provorov, training Konechny. Yeah, because so Drew, obviously your captain. Uh, but for Provorov, he's a centerpiece of your team. Connecting, in my opinion, he's a centerpiece of your team. But if you get rid of those two guys, if he, it, it depends on what connecting you get. Po, is it pre bubble year or post bubble year? Yeah, because those are tell, and, tales and, and of two different argument. connectings. And, 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 same thing with Provorov is it depends yeah. on what Provorov you're getting too. And, and that's the crappy thing. I think but also if you get Provorov, you have to make sure a lot you... of upside still. Yeah. But they're Provorov, only 24, you... 25 or so, if not even 23. Yeah. Also, you, you could probably afford to wait on the defenseman a little bit because if you do trade Provorov, that means you're probably giving um, Risto a better contract and he is then your number one. Yeah, not, not ideal, but that could be the. Other or route. if he's re- excuse me, ready enough, kind of help push Cam York to a higher role. I'm not saying throw, don't do to don't do this to Cam York. What the Toronto Maple Leafs did to Luke Shen. Don't just put him in saying, "Oh, because you're a first a round draft pick, we're going to." force your hand and put you in a role because you're a big body defenseman and, and, and a highly touted prospect. We're going to force your hand and basically say, give you a crowd sentiments and try to make you something that you're not ready to be yet. I, as much as I want the players to give York a legitimate role, they gotta obviously just get him some experience. He has less than 20 games on his hand mm-hmm. or under his belt, however you want to put, you know, but so, you know, I don't know. We'll see how it all pans out. Uh, I I really do think within two years, the next few years, even after this year, I, I'm curious to see how Chuck Fletcher treats this deadline. Obviously, it do- all depends on his record. Also, I'll this say year. this too, because if the seasons stay the way they are, I see Trotz getting fired in New York. Yo hasn't done a spectacular job to secure a spot here. He hasn't. If you and get, to be fair, if you get trots and say you keep the team, I think that could actually benefit you because his system could maybe help with the Flyers who are having issues with defensively. Because just remember, if prior to him going to the Islanders, they were one of the worst defenses in the league. Yes. To one of the best defenses in the league in one year. Not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. But he could do the same thing. Also, he's got a cup. He's got a ring. Yes, he does. So we'll see how it pans out. I'm just saying. And as much as I would love Rick Tockett as the Flyers' next permanent head coach, I would love Barry Trouts in Philly. So would I. And with that, I think that's all we got for this week. And until next time, whenever that is, (laughs) we'll see you.